Good morning, y'all. A couple things going on this morning. We are, it's a, it's a wiggle embracing room, if you haven't noticed, because we don't have childcare this morning. And there might have been a parent that showed up and they're like, no childcare, what in the world's going on? And it's okay. Everybody in here is gracious, okay, aren't you? And so if there are wiggles, that's cool. We have cry rooms. I didn't know what that was when I first got here. I thought they were rooms that people could go to when I got really angry and got upset people. They're actually for the children and for the moms or dads who need to take them out. But listen, it's all good, okay? I'm just going to, the toddlers are speaking back to me in the room, okay? It's probably Hattie that you hear anyway. Now, Fred Craddock once said, if you only have a little bit of singing, you probably only get a little bit of pitiful preaching. So I got a chance this morning after that. Amen? Leslie Ann was telling me a story this week. You may have heard this story. If you did, forgive me. But it was funny, and so I'm going to share it. There was a mom who had an experience at a Wawa, which I think is kind of like a twice daily up in the Northeast, and she had gone to get gas or get snacks, and she, she was really feeling the magic of Christmas because it's magical this time of year. And so she went into the Wawa to get whatever she was going to get, and there was somebody in line with her, and she had this great, like, she wanted to pay for the girl's stuff behind her. And that, maybe you do that sometime. You should. That's cool. You pay it forward, I think we call it. And so she bought the girl's ginger ale and snacks that was behind her. And the girl was like, why are you doing that? She's like, it's Christmas and it's magical. And I'm just feeling like it. And the girl led her and it was all great. And so the, the young mom, you know, skipped outside feeling the magic of Christmas and, and noticed that there was a man who was washing the window of her car. And she just, her heart about leapt out of her body. She just ran up to him and said, this is awesome. This is what I love about this time of year. It's just magical. And she gave him the biggest hug, this random man. And then she realized what she did, and she went and got in her car. (laughs) Wasn't her car. (laughs) He had the same car that that she did. Oh, man, it was so fun watching her tell that story and try to imagine what he was feeling like. Magical. Gosh. Hey, we're in Revelation 21, transitioning. I'm going to read the first five verses. I'd ask that you stand with me this morning as we read this. Because it really is the best news. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. And then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. 
Yes, this time of year can be magical. People go out of their way to serve, and that's a good thing. I hope that you're doing it. Do you know that Second Harvest Food Bank literally has no open time slots in December because so many people get out of the house and serve, either with their organization or with their family? That is, that is good news. But we know, and I think we've done a pretty good job illustrating that various times this morning, that it's not always magical for everybody. It can be lonely. Perhaps you, like the Family, Miss Susan mentioned, you're spending the first Christmas without a loved one or the second or third. It, it, it takes a while for it to get easier if it ever does, because life can throw so many different things at us. And John gets that here in his revelation. He is expressing what he is seeing, and it is a response to this truth that life is very, very hard. He sees here that God's response to all of this hopelessness is such good news. It is the only news that can counter the hopelessness. And he, and he, and he does this in a, in a pretty f- interesting way. He uses metaphors all through Revelation. We've talked about that at length. And, and all of them, literally all of them, come from the Hebrew scriptures that John knew so well. And he mentions here that the sea will be no more. The sea will go away. Well, as somebody who loves the Gulf of Mexico as much as I love anything, that's not the most hopeful news just in and of itself. But when we look deeper and and we think of like last week, we talked about the flood here from 2010 and all that that created. I think of in 2005, the city of New Orleans being struck by the Hurricane Katrina and all the water that came with that. You know, mentioning that, the saints are in town today and they're quarterbacked by a guy who came a few months after Katrina happened, Drew Brees. If you know him, I'm a big Drew Brees fan. I do hope they fly home unhappy tonight, but that's a different story. This is a good dude who loves the Lord, who has really led a football team that did a lot to galvanize a city coming off of of some of the worst that the sea can do. And I think in John's revelation here, we have to understand that he really is using this metaphor to get us to understand the, the, the rough, dangerous, difficult, catastrophic sometimes things that happen with the sea because it can be so dangerous. And we see that it will be no more. John is letting us know that whatever the tumult is that you might feel this morning in your lives right now, it is not by any stretch of the imagination your forever story. It does not have to be because the new heavens and the new earth is coming. So maybe for you on this December the 22nd, things are not working out like you had hoped. The magic is just not there. Perhaps everything is completely out of order. Perhaps chaos rules the day for you right now. The seas are, in fact, raging all around us. We don't have to look that far to see it. People are literally displaced from their homes. Susan gave us, like in our neighborhood, she just gave us those stories. People are displaced from their countries more than ever before. Constructive dialogue across religious lines or political lines seems scant. Rampant poverty. We have 80 people a day moving to our city. It is changing so fast. I've lived here my whole life. I can't believe the city that I live in. But when you have 80 people move here a day, yes, it's true that housing prices rise and the standard of living goes up and there's a lot more fun things to do around here. But the other side of that is true too. It becomes a city where people who have very little move to as well. That happens as well. That is growing all around us. The need for us to to recognize and respond to the gaps that are in our midst are more important than ever around us. I face news every week from people who are dealing with divorce or broken relationships of some kind. The seas rage around us. 
anyone, anywhere, anytime that you meet can feel unlovable. It's just their reality. The seas will be no more. That's good news. It's really good news. Take heart in it, please. Second, the emphasis all through Revelation that we've tried to to hone in on in these four short weeks is on faithfulness, specifically God's faithfulness and not as much on God's accomplishment. And what I mean by that is God's promises about what God is going to do in, in, in bringing the new heavens and new earth, that is unfolding. The, 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 the hurt around us shows that it's not complete yet. So Revelation is not painting a picture of accomplishment. It's painting a picture of God's faithfulness, whom we worship in expectation of what God will do. And I hope that's your reality this morning. I hope that you are able to, with ever, whatever is going on in you, you're able to lean in to what God is going to do. And in this way, because God has asked us to partner in this new heavens and new earth coming, we don't have the pressure on us to, to bring about the new heavens and new earth. That's not on us. That is God's work to do. The completion belongs to God alone and a new creation, a new heaven and new earth is promised. Remember that Advent is all about waiting, specifically about waiting on what God is going to do in God's faithfulness to what God has promised all along. I remember Christmas 1995 very, very well. I have two younger brothers, Blake and Barrett, and we, you know, we were really blessed. We grew up in an awesome home, and mom and dad really did a lot to make Christmas very special. And so we would always get, we'd have gifts to open. At this one particular Christmas, 95, I was 15. We were, un, we were opening gifts, and mom and dad, you know, they were, they were fair. They did a good job of giving us all pretty similar, you know, things. It probably added up to the dollar amount, knowing my mom. But this particular Christmas, I was not doing as well. <laughs> And it got pretty obvious as the room, as it kind of went on. Blake and Barrett had a lot of cool gifts, and I had the socks and underwear that mom would wrap every year, which is hilarious that she would wrap that up, and we'd open it, and we're like, socks, awesome. We needed them, but she would wrap them. Anyway, I didn't do as good. And we got to the end, and I was trying to, I was a you know, good kid, wanting everybody to be happy. So I sat there, I was like, yeah, this is great. And we're inside. I was, I was pretty upset. And they brought in another box, and it was for me. And it was a small box, and in that box were the keys to a sleek, navy blue, 91 Honda Accord. Oh, yeah. That they got from Uncle Jeff. Used. And it was awesome. And I, want, you know, I wanted a car. I wanted to be able to have the freedom that comes with it. You know, looking back, that was probably the best Christmas, right? I mean, that was such a cool gift. And and being a parent now and dealing with what you saw earlier, which is awesome, I, I, I can see how much of a sacrifice that must have been for my mom and dad, who did not have a whole lot, to get me a car that Christmas and to get my brothers a car. I, I see how, I mean, they loved us. Christmas was magic in that regard. It was really cool. I ask you this morning, as a follower of Christ, to realize what the real reason this season is magical. Fleming Rutledge reminded us last week, and John's revelation helps us remember it as well, the magic of Christmas is not that the baby born in a manger becomes the king of kings. The magic of Christmas is more that the king of kings who has been on the throne since time began because he's the creator of all that it is, decided to come down and become a baby. 
whose name is Jesus, which literally means the Lord saves. And this gift is such good news for us this morning that Jesus would come to to live with us and in doing so to show us how to live. And y'all, whatever I felt about that 91 Accord, and I was fired up, I should feel a thousand times more about the gift that is Jesus. And so should we. So we look to 2020 and I have a specific prayer. I have a lot of specific prayers for our church, but I will mention this one, that we would be a people who follows Jesus by realizing, remembering and living out of the gift that Jesus is. And for that to make all of the difference. Oswald Coulter was a missionary. He's now deceased. He was a missionary during the, the time around World War II and the days after it. And he was in China for over 30 years. And during that time, he was under house arrest at the end of it for three full years for preaching the gospel. And he was released when the communists in China said that he would be released only if he would go home. And he agreed to. And so he sent a letter to the missionary society that had sent him and they wired him money to take a ship home and he was able to leave the country. But before leaving the, that part, that side of the world, he, he had to get to India where he would sail from there back home. And when he was with India, he became aware of a large group of Jews sleeping in the lofts of the barns in that city. And they were in India in this particular city because at that time in the history of the world, this was the only place, India, that they could find to go that would receive them. People literally, because of all the work that was going on in the world, had nowhere to go but here in India, and they had so little. And he went to greet these Jews in the lofts of those barns, and he went to them and he said, Merry Christmas. And they said, why are you saying Merry Christmas to us? We're Jews, we're not Christians, we don't celebrate Christmas like you do. And he said, well, that's okay, but I just wanted to say Merry Christmas. And I wanted to find out if there's anything that I could do for you because it's Christmas and Christmas is magical. And they said, well, we, we really would love some German pastry. And I really appreciate that because I do too. And that would be way up on my list too. And he was like, okay. And so he went to this, into this town where they were in India and he, he looked for a while, but he finally found some German pastry and he bought all that he could find. He literally spent his passage check on German pastry for the Jews in the lofts of those barns. And he went to them and he gave it to them and they celebrated because they loved the gift and they ate and they were happy. And he said to them, Merry Christmas. And when he got home, he had to write and get another passage check and he got it and he got home and he was telling his church this story. And some of the men in the church got really upset with him and they were like, Oswald, why did you do that? These people weren't Christians. You spent all of this money on them. Why would you do this for them? They weren't Christians. And he looked back at the men and he said, yeah, but, but I am. But I am. I believe in God. I believe that the son of Mary and Joseph is God incarnate, that this Jesus of Nazareth born in such humble circumstances literally makes all of the difference and inspires me to go out into the world and love people extravagantly regardless of what they think or believe. But just because what Jacob prayed is true, they're a child of God just like you are. Last thing I'll say about this text ties in with, with this point I'm making. This holy city that is coming down, verse two in Revelation 21, I also saw a holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven for God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. You are the bride adorned for her husband. You are the bride made holy to be released into the world, to love people really well so that they know that this baby makes all of the difference as well. This holy city is not just a place that we get to all feel comfy in. It is a people that is called to, to live like citizens of this place that will ultimately be through God's faithfulness, what God has promised a new heavens and new earth that comes down and is right here and is totally unlike anything that has ever been. That's what the promise is. It is brand new. God is doing a new thing. In this new heavens and new earth, chaos will cease to exist. And we will be the completion, the holy city of God's loving kindness and faithfulness. Verse 3, Revelation 21, there Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. I'm reminded of chapter five. And as I invite the band back up, as the people, as John imagined the people worshiping in chapter five, the text says they sang a new song. And we're going to sing one more song together this morning. The text says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people. You purchased people who will be a holy city. You purchased people for God by your blood. And these people are from every tribe and language and people and nation. They are quite literally every person on earth whom God is beckoning, calling to understand exactly who God is and why it makes all the difference. This is good news for us this morning. So whatever is going on in the next couple of days, if you're with family or if you're without, if you are so happy you're about to burst or if you are so sad, call the people in your life that you know are so sad. Call them. This news is good. These words are faithful and true. And they make all the difference. In fact, they are all that makes the difference. We're going to have a good year together next year. Tell your friends. Because this story is going to carry us week to week, day to day. We're going to continue to sing this new song from this place and all throughout the place that God has given us to serve. It is already a holy city. It's not complete, but it is what God wants it to be now because you are here and the Holy Spirit dwells and delights in you. So let's go. Oh, come, let us adore him.